As Ernest Hemingway wisely said, the best way to find out if you can trust somebody is to trust them. But trusting blindly doesn't come without risk, and if someone ultimately proves they don't deserve your trust to begin with, it may already be too late. That is the devastating lesson that Mitchell Hayes, the founder and CEO of Los Sundays Tequila, had to learn the hard way. We had some people involved with the business in the early days where a lot of money went missing. There was no way for us to get it back and it, it nearly sunk us. We were working out of my lounge room at home around the dining room table. I stopped paying myself because the money disappeared out of the account to keep paying the three employees that we had. Our bank account literally hit zero twice. This was a sink or swim situation for Mitchell and Los Sundays. But frankly, Mitchell was made to swim. He had been finding his way through all kinds of choppy and unfamiliar waters his whole life. Where did that grit and determination come from? And where did it ultimately lead? Let's find out. Welcome back to The Journey. There are always exciting things happening in the world of small business. The news that grabs the headlines, though, are always the highlights. The overnight successes, the billion-dollar IPOs, the massive exits. But just like your Instagram feed, that's never the whole story. Let's look deeper than the headlines and press photos. Underneath all of that is the real work of building something valuable and lasting. Don't get me wrong, I love crazy success stories and can be drawn in by those big flashy tales just as much as the next person. But we all know that what's more important than the destination is how you get there. It's the struggles you have to overcome and the insights you learn along the way that make you who you are. So those are the stories we're telling. It's raw, it's honest, and maybe it's exactly what you need to hear. I'm Hillary Georgie, and this is The Journey. So, anyone who owns a small business knows what the difference between surviving and thriving feels like. And obviously, we all aim to thrive. That's why we're excited about our latest partnership with UPS. Our listeners know that whether you're moving your business online or getting into new markets or just trying to make things run faster and more efficiently, small businesses are up against a unique set of challenges. That's why UPS designed innovative tools just for small businesses that are made to help take you to the next level. Learn more about how UPS can get your small business moving forward at ups.com pivot. Playing or participating in sports when you're young helps you develop characteristics that will serve you throughout your life. Teamwork, practice, and determination. These were all the skills Mitchell honed in the waters of the coastal Australian town where he grew up. I was a surfer. That's all I wanted to do. I wanted to be a professional. I got up before the sun, I rode my bike to the beach, I surfed, then I rode to school. Went to school, then I rode back to the beach and surfed till dark again. Mitchell was a competitive surfer all throughout high school. He was even good enough to get sponsors and travel the world surfing after he graduated. It wasn't long, though, before he realized that he wasn't going to be able to earn a long-term living through competing. He knew he needed a plan B. He saw the opportunity to make a natural transition by taking a job with one of his surf sponsors, Rusty Surfboards. And he was no fish out of water in the corporate world. He took the same level of commitment and discipline that he developed as a kid to his new role working at Rusty. From the start, 
He had big ambitions to climb the ladder and earn a spot on the leadership team, even if there weren't any spots open. I kind of want to be the head of marketing. Job's not really open right now, but what they did instead was sent me to California to meet up with Rusty Preisendorfer, who was the founder of the brand in the 80s, I think he started it, 85, and start to work to bridge the gap between Rusty North America and Rusty Australia and New Zealand. That was my first trip to the States and how I ended up here. And then that was the first time I discovered real tequila, like real good quality tequila. Because in Australia, the tequila that we were starting to drink, it was bad. Those first few sips were the beginning of a business for Mitchell, but he didn't know it quite yet. He continued pursuing a professional career with Rusty Surfboards and asked to be sent back to work in the U.S. the following summer. Eventually, he relocated permanently to the Rusty North America team and earned the head of marketing title he had coveted. Along the way, Mitchell was learning more about America and the surfers he was representing, including one named Sam Orozco. In fact, Mitchell got close to the whole Orozco family, an important relationship that would lead to big things for Mitchell, things way outside the world of surfing. It was his dad who really started educating me on tequila and introduced me to more tequila and what he had and what he drank that all of a sudden I was like, his dad, Randy, was in my ear going, you know, maybe we should do our own tequila company. And I was like, Randy, I've been here 10 minutes, dude. I got a, I got a job today. I was like, I don't know anything about alcohol or tequila besides now I love to drink it. So that was really the spark that how it started. But if we know anything about business, it's that the spark of a good idea hardly means immediate success. Although the actual Low Sundays brand would take years to bring to life, pretty soon after Randy planted that seed, Mitchell started thinking strategically about the idea of owning a tequila company. What could they do differently from the big companies that were already on the market? What were those brands missing about their current and potential customer base? The year was 2014, and even in American bars, it was not common to ask the bartender for a particular brand of tequila in your drink, unlike whiskey or vodka. Now people call like, can I get a Casamigos soda or, you know, round of Casamigos shots or let's get 1942. Tequila is becoming such a cool brand, but this was a little earlier on. If they went to a bar, would they just be like, give me a tequila shot? Yeah, let's do tequila shots. Let's get a margarita. Now people call like, can I get a round of Casamigos shots or let's get 1942. Tequila is becoming such a cool brand. They call your brand what you want to drink. But this was kind of a little earlier on. That's where I had the moment where I think it was just because I wasn't from here. It was so much more visible to me. There was this gap where there wasn't really a brand that they really resonated with or associated with. They just loved the category. So my idea with Randy is we can make a really good quality tequila with this distillery that we'd been talking to. And then if I can figure out a way to brand it and package it in a way that's going to get people's attention and make them want to like call it, then maybe we can do something different here and kind of really get the attention of that segment of consumers. Another thing Mitchell noticed about the American tequila industry was that any branding and marketing was not lining up with the real life consumers in the clubs and bars. Typically, the advertising was geared toward an older white male audience rather than the throngs of young, hip female socialites who were sipping the clear Mexican liquid. There was this kind of gap where there wasn't really a brand that they really resonated with or associated with. They just loved the category. So my idea with Randy is we can make a really good quality tequila with this distillery that we'd been talking to. 
And then if I can figure out a way to brand it and package it in a way that's going to get people's attention and make them want to like call it, then maybe we can do something different here and really get the attention of that segment of consumers. Mitchell was a marketer by trade, so he was pretty confident in his ability to get the liquor on the market. Now he just needed the actual liquor. And that was a process that is much easier said than done. After all, Mitchell only really knew two things about this venture, that he wanted his company to have an easy to pronounce name and he wanted to produce the highest quality liquor. In order to get moving on the latter, there were decisions that needed to be made about the agave growers and distillers and where everything would be sourced. Would the tequila be made of highland or lowland plants? How mature were the plants they needed to use? Ultimately, Mitchell and his team opted to use ripe seven to eight-year-old plants instead of taking a shortcut some distributors were cashing in on by using younger plants. Mitchell and his team also decided to create a tequila that was a combination of highland and lowland agave, an untraditional move in a market where most tequila brands opted for one or the other. Each kind of plant produces a different flavor, but Mitchell felt the combination of the two gave their liquor a smoother taste and would make their tequila stand out. With these basics figured out, Mitchell still needed to raise some money to get an initial larger batch of tequila made for sale. The biggest check they got in their first 12 months was $100,000, and those investments were spread out over the whole year. In order to raise larger sums, they needed to have a few bottles on hand for prospective investors to taste, which meant sneaking bottles of tequila through customs. It was a major risk and one that put Mitchell in some hot water. To be perfectly honest, it took us a while because we had no idea what we were doing. We had no liquor experience whatsoever, like no connections to distributors, and we had no money. We were just funding this ourselves. So we were pretty much as scrappy as it gets to start a business. We'd get 10 bottles sent up. Then we'd get 40 bottles sent up if we could get it through. Then we would go down to Mexico and get more samples and meet with the distillery. And we'd try to like bootleg him back across the border to do some events and show some people and try and raise some money. We got caught at the border once. We got sent to secondary. They found all our bottles. We got in trouble. We got sent back into Tijuana. We had to give all the tequila back. So it was really, really scrappy. It wasn't until 2017 that we got things together and had enough samples and got our first investor. We got someone that wrote us a check to be able to actually get a pallet of tequila brought up. Let's pause there for a minute. 2017 was three full years after the idea to start this tequila company originated. Why were things going so slow? Part of it has to do with the complications and regulations of working in the adult beverage industry, which is famously a three-tiered system, which Mitchell explains like this. Money, distribution connections, and celebrity to get the awareness that hit the market. We had no money, didn't know one person that worked in alcohol distribution. We were just a couple of immigrants from Australia in America trying to sell a Mexican liquor. From the start, Los Sundays was doing things differently. One of the biggest and most controversial decisions the company made was about the taste of the first tequila it offered. Los Sundays opted to hit the market with a coconut-infused flavored tequila. Mitchell and his team loved the taste, noting it made the liquor smoother and easier to drink. We loved it. So our tequila, we had a Blanco and a Repo that were infused with this coconut extract that we found that we loved. 
It made the tequila a little sweeter, super easy to drink. But not everyone was a fan. Some tequila purists wouldn't even try it. But Mitchell and his team stood firm. Although they developed and brought to market a traditional Blanco and Resposado tequila, they always kept their coconut expression and continued to push the flavored tequila into the market wherever they could. They tried everything to find a way to get it to customers, including entering it in tasting competitions. In the end, it worked. Today, people love the coconut flavor, and it has even earned Los Sundays premium menu placements at restaurants where craft cocktails are also offered. And by the way, it won a number of those tasting competitions. You're against everyone, you send it in, and it takes quite a while. It'll be two months until you hear back because they do it blind a lot of the time. So I think they kind of dish out your product and then they number it all. Then it goes to all these judges and they sip and then they write all the reviews and then they add up all the reviews, what they rated them, and then the results come back. It's kind of nerve-wracking. Then they're like, oh, the results are coming out tonight. So you're waiting, refreshing on the site for it to kick in and you go through and then you see your medals and it's awesome. It's super validating. They're blind taste tests. They don't know who they're tasting. They're just... They're tasting the product and they're giving their honest feedback and it's awesome. We've got platinum awards back to back two years in a row, double golds. We got a consumer's choice award this year and an innovation award for the coconut. So yeah, it's been received really, really well. But a tequila company can't survive off of a few menu placements and awards on a shelf. After the break, we'll learn how Mitchell and Los Sundays went up against the big names in tequila, faced some almost destructive theft, and ultimately earned their spot at the bar. Today's podcast is sponsored by UPS. Look, if there's one thing that all small business owners know, it's that keeping customers waiting just doesn't work. So UPS has unveiled their fastest ground shipping ever, getting you to customers in cities across the U.S. up to a day faster. And now, Mission Podcast listeners can save on UPS's fastest ground shipping ever with the code SOAR, S-O-A-R. Small businesses around the country trust UPS to get their orders out the door and delivered every day. Your customers don't have time to wait, and you don't have time to waste. So head to ups.com slash pivot and use the code SOAR, S-O-A-R, to start shipping and saving with UPS's fastest ground ever today. When we left Mitchell, Los Sundays had a tasty liquor, and people were starting to ask for it. The problem, though, was distribution. Marketing tequila and breaking into that three-tiered U.S. alcohol system was a monumental task the company had to figure out in order to survive its infancy. They needed money, distribution, and connections. To compensate for the lack of connections, Mitchell and his team looked to social media as a way to grow the brand. Well, I knew that we didn't have with money and distribution and those connections. I knew that we had creativity. Me and my friends, we were good at marketing, we were good at design. We knew how to use social media and felt like the big guys really didn't know how to use social media. There was this, this window where we feel like it just kind of opened up that hadn't been there before, where you could come into this industry and use social media, use your network and use the creativity to be able to get the consumer's attention before they go into a bar or a liquor store, where previously in liquor, you had to have those connections because the only way that you could advertise or market your brand was magazines or billboards. The distributors really controlled what brands got placed. 
Not only did Los Sundays utilize influencers in ad campaigns, but it committed to having an exceptional level of customer service. Its commitment to rapid message response built trust with early consumers. And Mitchell says that the brand's connection to the fan base earned the company the clout it was searching for. The connections were starting to build, and to pull in some extra cash, Mitchell decided to try to capitalize on their brand loyalty by selling Loose Sunday's merchandise. Since merch was an unused, untapped marketing tool for liquor makers, the Los Sundays crew seized on the opportunity. Our idea was let's get some product and then let's just create this stir online, social media and our friends and merchandise. That was the other thing. No one's really done merchandise in alcohol. And because tequila was so fun, there's so many memes about it and everyone's got a story. We figured if we can kind of build this tequila merchandise, if we can't sell someone a bottle of tequila yet in another state, we're going to sell them a t-shirt. The last big piece of the Los Sundays guerrilla marketing startup strategy was around events. We started doing a partnership with The Bungalow. They've got a few locations in Southern California, which are really cool bars. So we're doing Los Sunday Sundays at The Bungalow and started building this crowd of people. And every Sunday it get bigger. Our friend, a DJ. And next minute we've got like 50 people around our table all drinking tequila and partying. And then that's when finally the distributors started looking at us going like, who are you guys? What are you doing? Then that's when they opened up the door and let us in. By now, a decent amount of demand for Los Sundays tequila was growing in Southern California. Mitchell was finally able to court and persuade a few more small investors to buy in. But the money didn't flow in big waves. As the slow churn of the business evolution continued, so did the fundraising. When we started to get investors, it's not like we did one big seed round. We were getting checks off our friends and family anywhere from 25000 to 50000 The biggest check we got in that first 12 months was $100,000. And we're all spread out. For almost a year and a half, Mitchell and his company plotted along, investments trickling in from friends and family. And all the while, the brand was growing. They were building trust and gradually proving that their concept for Los Sundays would materialize in big ways. We got drip-fed checks that kept us alive 12 to 18 months. And then that's when we had some pretty good proof of concept. We knew where we needed to go. We had opportunities for distribution. Things were finally starting to pick up at Los Sundays. But the biggest trial the company would face was still to come. What Mitchell didn't know was that the trust they were working so hard to build with the consumer was missing on the own company's core team. The fact of the matter is, it's difficult to know who to trust, who to bring on your team, and who to hire. The Better Business Bureau estimates that 30% of business failures can be attributed to employee theft. Loose Sundays came close to being just another one of those statistics. We had some people involved with the business in the early days where a lot of money went missing. Our bank account literally hit zero twice. Then we were able to get another investor. Someone would put in as little as $15,000 and be like, all right, I can keep us going for six weeks on that. Unfortunately, this scenario is not uncommon for entrepreneurs. When the wrong people are given a stake and they abuse it, more often than not, a promising business becomes another failed startup. Not everyone has the strength to make it through this kind of precarious situation. And for Mitchell, his steadfast commitment to seeing the business last was almost all he had left at that point. That was probably the scariest time. It was frustrating because it was out of our hands. We had money and then it was gone. It was just in our account. Then it was transferred out of our account. Wow. It was like the whole rug just got pulled out from under you. 
what I thought I was such an idiot for getting taken advantage of. And then I was talking to some other investors to come in and I had to disclose what was going on. They didn't even bat an eyelid. They're like, oh, that hadn't happened to you already. I would have been surprised. And I was just like, wow, this happens all the time to everyone. It's a scary thing. And I didn't realize like, oh, I would never do that. So, but it's like that old, one of those things, whatever, like, just because you wouldn't, you know, kill the lion, don't think the lion won't kill you, you know? So it's, yeah, you got to learn and I'm glad I learned it early. The fact that his investors continued to support him and helped him recover the company is a true testament to the brand and the product they had built. They could have backed out when he told them the truth, but they trusted where he was headed and could see the passion in his heart. Mitchell was committed to sticking with it even when all the waves of misfortune were crashing around him, threatening to drown him and take him out. But he kept rising to the surface and swimming through the breaks for another go at it. This persistence finally paid off when Los Sundays broke through the ironclad old boys tequila industry and got a big distribution deal. We picked up national distribution through Southern Glaciers, which is the biggest in the Northern Hemisphere. Our goal was to open 10 states, maybe 15 by the end of the year. But when we became available in the portfolio for Southern, we ended up getting picked up by 30 states. So now our goal is to make sure that we support those states, that the brand pulls through, gets placement, gets support. Los Sundays is focused now on supporting its 30-state Southern Glaciers distribution before taking the next step toward expanding in other states and countries. Whatever waves come crashing down on the company next, like solving ongoing supply chain issues, it's clear that Mitchell has the fortitude and patience to see things through. His trust was broken, but he hasn't let that define him or Los Sundays. He is committed to making things work at Los Sundays, even if it means getting small batches across the Mexican border to prove a concept or missing a few paychecks in order to build back up the bank account. In the early days, I was going to travel the world and surf and, and live the good life. I did realize earlier on I, I didn't really want to work for other people. I always wanted to work for myself and I always wanted to create something. I kind of always had this vision of being older and looking back and there's something in the market that I created that and that's there and people drink it and people love it. So that's what gets you through the hard time. We've had, had enough of the ups and downs. When you're in a down, you know, just give it a day, give it a week and you'll be back in, in an up and you'll be feeling good. You have your wins and your losses every week. Something happens and you feel kicked in the stomach and you're all down, but then next week something happens on the flip side and you're all pumped and everyone's happy. It just comes with the territory. I guess if it was the same every day, it'd be boring. You need the low times to appreciate the good times. Dreams change. After all, Mitchell is not a professional surfer. But no matter how your dreams bend or take new shape, your character is fundamental. The hard work and commitment that Mitchell learned as a young kid surfing in Australia unwittingly primed him for life as a CEO, and that life as a startup founder taught him the value and preciousness of trust. Mitchell knew he wanted to do things differently in his life and his business. And even though it was a common challenge that nearly sunk close Sundays, it was Mitchell's uncommon grit and determination that helped Los Sundays persevere and find its place in bars and in glasses around the country. The Journey is created by Mission.org and sponsored by UPS. To learn more about the show or mission, visit Mission.org. And to learn more about how UPS can help your business, visit ups.com slash pivot.